Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic Wheel's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing. Recorded at the PW offices in New York City, I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly and Co-Editor of PW Comics World. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I'm the Editor-in-Chief of The Beat at comicsbeat.com. And you can find us on Twitter at at PWComicsWorld. And I'm Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm the podcast producer. And you can find us online on Tumblr at pwcomicsworld.tumblr.com. Uh, and don't forget, you can subscribe to More to Come on iTunes. And on Facebook, we're at facebook.com slash pwcomicsworld. All right, this week on More to Come, New York Comic Con preview. And our, uh, our delayed con update. And still more graphic novel lines coming to you. And then uh, um, I'll give you a heads up on some recent PW interviews. But let's get to New oh, York Comic Con. And also, what on earth was Bastion Vive thinking? <laughs> yes. But, oh, excuse me for leaving that out. Yeah. Yes, Bastion Vive. Ah. We'll get to that in, oh, in enough time. Ooh. Excuse me for leaving that off. Yes, but we're going to jump to the top of the line. New York Comic Con is back. Um, yes, a week from today, yeah. you will be in it. It's so bizarre when you think of some event that you're dreading and you realize that it's <laughs> yes, coming it's a, and that, it, like, the, you know, the amount of time is so short now. We're just counting down minutes, really. Yeah, it's like the, mm. the from the Spike Lee movie, like, love, hate, yeah, yeah, on, right. you know, tattooed <laughs> on our fists. Yes. Yeah, but, um, you know, next week we're in the middle of it. You know, it, uh, you know, the dread and anxiety that we're experiencing now will seem like a far distant memory. Right. It right will now, be it's swamped by the dread and anxiety of actually <laughs> trying good. to juggle everything. Now, now, listeners, it's not that we don't love New York Comic Con. We we really do. It's just that when you're uh, trying to work a con of this scale professionally, um, there's a lot of stress that comes with it. It's tough. And um, I can't even imagine what working San Diego must be like because New York is quite enough for me. Like, I have stopped thinking, like, next year in San Diego. And I've started, like, being like, maybe maybe New York Comic Con is about as crazy as I need. You know, I honestly think that San Diego is better organized than New York Comic Con. New York Comic Con is way uh, more crowded than San Diego, I yeah. think. Yeah, well, they're... Uh, Considering the different standards that they use, um, that the fire marshals use, I think you're right uh, yes. as far as traffic. Um, I mean, I think New York Comic Con, is uh, the traffic is much better than it used to be. Right. Uh, yeah, it kind of varies. You know, it, you know, it was dangerous for a few years, yeah. and then it got better, and now it's kind of... I noticed it ticked up. Well, you know, there's a story that came out. They said they're expecting a quarter of a million people this year. Now, they do count that as tickets sold, not as one person, one ticket. But, you know, last year they had only 225,000 people. So they're expecting 25,000 more people, Yeah, which is several cons worth more people. So yeah, The number that uh, that Mark Arm- uh, Mike Armstrong gave us was 230,000 tickets that mm-hmm. they well, expect then, to Well, since, since he talked to you, he's given sold yeah. 20,000 more tickets. So, well, part of it is that they have uh, a lot of off-site events, like the, yes. the anime yes. expo, yeah. which we've been talking about. Yes. And I wonder if they count all those you know, tickets for things like, uh, see the host of... Of you know, Adventure Zone in person, well, off-site. If they count well, that as a ticket and an attendee well, separately, they have a whole different. They have they a whole do. program of what's it called? New York Live. Or? Um, it's what is it called? It's called. Um, hmm, hold on. They keep changing its name. Yeah, they changed the name several times. Um, well, whatever it's called yeah, this I'll year, I'll find it. I'll it's find another, it. And let you know. It's exactly <laughs> that, Kate, as you as you accurately pin it. And uh, but they're they're kind of gussied it up just a little bit more. It's more like like some really marquee events, and uh, one of them is the guy from Adventure Time. <laughs> so well well caught, well caught, well spotted. Well, it's because <laughs> I actually knew that was happening, yeah. and they've been spamming me with emails. About okay, it. right, right, right. But um. And that's fine. I just was wondering if they were counting that in their attendee figures or if they were keeping that separate. I'm sure they're counting in the attendee figures because, as we yeah. know, you just couldn't physically cram any more people into near uh, the Javits Center. So, uh, But they have uh, – Artist Alley will be in a much bigger hall this yes. year. The, the, yes. the crowding, the severe crowding and claustrophobia. Yeah. It's going to uh, be downstairs. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. That's one of the changes. Um, obviously, the, one of the big changes is the Harvey Awards. 
they're going to be uh, um, they're going to be kicking off their run as um, you know as a, an institution at New York Comic Con on Friday night. Right. Uh, hopefully, with a fairly uh, minimal kind of uh, six awards. Uh, <laughs> and I, but I hear they have an incredible host this year. That's really great. <laughs> yeah. Should they just amazing. out with yes, it? I guess they better. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Look, I just found this out today. Uh, so yes, I accepted. I'm going to be. I'm going to emcee the Harvey Awards. Um, it could be a really great thing, or it could be a really embarrassing thing. Well, we're going to try and make it a great well, Calvin, thing. Calvin, having you know, I'm a veteran of uh, a lot of comics awards, and you know, one of the things that sank the old Harveys was just uh, a very chatty host who talked way too much. Well, I'm not going to be. I'm that not going to say. I'm not going to be was, that guy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, keep it short. Well, I, I certainly, uh, I, I've seen you MC. I saw, I saw you MC uh, the Ignatzes one year. Uh, of course, you were you were excellent. So you're I my was model. Very brief. Yeah, you're going to be my brief. model. You very know, brief. Uh, ironic and brisk. Yeah. That's where that's what I'm shooting for. Well, uh, you know, this year at New York Comic Con, uh, I looked at uh, I went over was going over the programming last night. So uh, they have the New York Day of programming at the New York Public mm-hmm. Library, and it's really great. Have you looked at that at all? Have you checked? Uh, that you out? know what? I have not okay. checked the programming. Uh, I mean, I've glanced at it here and there. Uh, but I don't really have a big okay. sense of Well, it. I will say this. We have been severely critical of New York pro- Comic-Con programming mm. over the years. Uh, you know, it kind of went in a direction that we felt was really not uh, maybe... Particularly intellectually edifying. Yes. <laughs> well, let me tell you, this year I would say 50% of the panels, if not more, are really aimed at uh, diversity and representation. And I think last year this happened as well, to the point where it's kind of an overlap. There was like eight black panels and <laughs> and five well, women in comics panels. But uh, I, and I'm I actually barely even making up those numbers. I will tell you this, however, like I, and going over, there are two panels called comics and hip hop, and there's one called anime and hip hop. Uh, <laughs> and returns. yeah, there are two comics about queer comics graphic novels for All kids. Right. There are two panels called cosplay is not consent. <laughs> Uh, so they think they'd at least name them different things. Well, they have little. Yeah. They, they are different now, panels. Oh, They're uh, not the same panel. No, but I mean, you'd think they'd name the panels different things. Well, I, I, now I will say this: two or three years ago, their programming they did have a focus on diversity programming, mm-hmm. and, and or certainly I would say this: the diversity programming that they had was packed. Yes, yes, it's, absolutely. It's a huge... Listen, I'm not so, saying this is a criticism. Yeah. I'm just saying this is an observation because you're absolutely right. Like, in the past, every one of these panels is is packed all the time. Yeah. So I certainly... I think I, they I might think, have, like, I, said, you know what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. More than one. <laughs> Give the yeah. people what they They've want. They've gone all in well, on you it, you know, yes. and also, one thing you have to know is now there's a big focus on your Comic-Con's part of selling individual day tickets. Yes. yes. So You're it right. could be yes. that they they know that people come and they want this kind of panel, so mm-hmm. they want to be sure to have it on both major weekend days so that somebody who bought a ticket for Sunday doesn't feel like they're missing out because the panel they wanted was on Saturday. Oh, uh-huh, you're right. But, I mean, it's through the all four days. It's Thursday, yeah. Friday, Saturday, yeah. But Sunday. what I mean is... Yeah, is but no, you're... But yeah. There's, yeah. They're, they're re- doing... Maybe they're doing repeats on different days in order... Mm-hmm to hit new audiences. That was that was actually my impression. And but you know, certainly there's a huge cry for this kind of programming. Yes. Uh they have uh you know, a lot of uh, queer programming. They mm-hmm. have a lot of cosplay. Yeah. They have uh co- give programming for mental illness. I mean, these oh, panels like the good. one we went to at SPX was so great. And uh, a lot of cons are having more and more panels about uh, mental illness. But graphic medicine. And graphic for, medicine, uh, yeah. So, yeah. You know, I, 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 mm-hmm. the rest of the panel, there's a lot of panels that, you know, there's a, there are a lot of TV panels because mm-hmm. there's a lot more TV. And well, there's quite a bit of media guests. Yes. That's one thing I do know. Yes. I mean, they've got a lot of TV guests well, coming. It so. sounds like, okay, so last year the big thing was like, oh, we have fewer media people. And now they're they're back again. Yeah, but really. I you know they want media but people. to be fair, well, it's not a bad thing. Yeah, I'm just saying that like it seems like there was a lull, and now they're yeah. more again. Yeah, to be fair, in, even in the past year, streaming has exploded, and I mean yes. there's so many. Honestly, as I was going down this list of panels, I had forgotten about ha- like so many shows based on uh, comics content. Uh, there, the boys is coming. You know, oh, based right. on Garth Ennis. Yeah. Uh, Deadly Class, based on the Rick Remender book, yeah, yeah. is coming. Uh, Happy, remember that? Grant Morrison has his oh, first yeah. TV show. Yeah, you're like, you're like oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, a lot. <laughs> what about that? Uh, there's so many shows, and they don't even have some, like, 
Uh, I mean, of course, The Walking Dead is coming back. Uh, but, um, I mean, it's just a vast amount. Hilda from Netflix, you know, Hilda. Oh, that's by right. They're doing the Hilda uh, series. Yeah, yeah. You, you don't even remember these. Is there so many? Yeah, you Everything on a, you, it's in a comic will be so a TV show one day. There's so many, like, X-Men spinoffs, like Runaways and, and... Well, at least Runaways was its own comic. Yes. And a very sturdy comic. It really is, it's only related to X-Men and that one character is a mutant. That's literally the only connection. Um, yeah. But, yeah, but what's so. that? There's that show, you know, I can't even remember the title of it. It's like The Young and the Mutant or something. No, there's that show that's on that, uh, The Gifted, The Gifted. The Gifted. I was close. Oh, yeah. right, yeah. I mean, there's so many of these super-powered based on shows it's hard to keep track of them yeah you scorecard yeah well anyway i'm just there there's a lot of programming for this there's a lot of animation programming there's I should uh, jump in with the name of the, the it's yes. it's called uh nycc now and it's 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 the um the now. uh it's the the well its ancestor was uh what super week i think yes. they used to call it uh <laughs> so these are events that are held all over the city in the week uh, and maybe in the month, really prior to you know what you just keep rebranding. Yeah. That just shows exactly. you just haven't hit on the right idea yet. In but fact, they're I, all the same idea. I think one of the big high-profile um, NYCC now events is uh, Chip Kid interviewing Alex Ross. That's correct. You and uh, I believe Rana Telgemeier is also yeah, doing an yeah, event. Yeah. So, so, uh, um, so you know, yeah. listen. It's hard for us who have been so involved, uh, at least for me personally, you know, having been involved with New York Comic Con very closely, so the very first year, and then you see things happen, and you know, we've been harshly critical of them over the years, and there has definitely been a couple years where the programming was really, really not intellectually stimulating, yeah. and I, I don't think that's a concern anymore. I think, no, no, not I at think all. it's really. On that note, we've left out one thing: <gasps> uh, NYCC at New York Public Library. I mentioned that. Oh, did you? Oh, sorry, then. Oh, my bad. My bad, then. I missed it. But I asked you if you'd looked at the programming. I, yeah. I haven't looked at all of I haven't yeah. looked at the programming of it. No. So, no, no. I, I forgot about that. Sorry. My my bad. Uh, listen, we're all so stressed out right now that we forget a lot of things. I forget a lot of a lot of things. I don't even want to say what I forget. But, uh, yes, and <laughs> I will forgot. say I forgot what I forgot. But, I, uh, but, once again, the programming is really stellar. I'm actually doing a panel there at 11 o'clock about uh, World Comics Influences. Um, cool. Is this uh, at the Public Library? Or? at the Public oh, Library, great, yes, great. on Thursday at 11. I'll be there. Uh, I also have my panels. I, I have four panels. So yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. you know what? Well, Kelvin, do, are you doing any panels? Uh, I am not. I think our panel got... Got um, deep sixed, I think. Well, there's a panel that I'm doing that you're listed as the moderator for. Oh, well, see, I hadn't heard anything more about it, so I didn't realize what uh, I hadn't heard. I hadn't gotten. We can talk about this after the we'll podcast. We'll talk about it after but, the podcast. But sure, I, I hadn't heard any more, so well, I didn't know whether so it was. You're so lucky. So you're not doing any panels. I have four panels I have yeah, to moderate. Well, I said I, I would never I'm do. I'm kind of happy when again. I don't have a lot yeah, of panels. I'm actually jealous but uh so yeah. uh if you hold on i'm gonna find out what they are though i gotta look them up but right. uh talk amongst yourselves um look it up. well i guess one thing is that i as someone who runs a booth am ironically a little unhappy that so much of the really interesting programming is really far off site that it would take you like half an hour to walk there and half an hour back and not to mention however long you stand in line not to mention however long you're at the panel because true because you know i mean well that's my experience as a booth person it's also the experience of fans who like multiple different kinds of content like if you're going to go see some of the anime content you have to trek across town and, yeah, and we've we've talked about have we talked about anime um yeah we talked bit? about it last week okay good yeah, um, that's at pier 94 so yeah, yeah you're you have right to trek all the way to pier 94 and i mean it's a time commitment. It's like it's like the assumption is if you like this, you won't like that. But yet somehow it's all still part of the same convention. Mm. Well, I mean that's some of the complaints, obviously, about um, Anime Fest at NYCC. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. I can't find the exact times of this because my no. calendar is not coming up. Because uh, did but we I will... mention that uh, Marjorie Liu would be the keynote speaker at, no, we did at not. the New York Public Library? So she will be um, the uh, the writer. Um, of Monstrous. Now, I don't know whether Sana, uh, her artist, will be there or not. 
So I who's allowed a... to go to the New York Public Library stuff? It's called Professional Day. Do you have to be a professional to go? Um, in the past, it wasn't that wasn't the case. If you have a, a New York Comic Con badge, you can get in. But I do know that they they want to give priority to professionals. Okay. Yeah, to so it's priority, but then other people can go in yeah. if they want. Um, yes. You know, I found my schedule, and I think these panels will be of interest to people. So if I can, uh, let me see. Okay, so, uh, yeah, 11 o'clock on Thursday, I'll be Currents of Inspiration from America to Europe and back. Certainly a topic that we like. But here's what I'm really excited by. Calvin, I think this is the one that you were doing. Okay, what what Comic readers it? today, who they are and where to find them? Does this ring I a bell? We were, no, I thought it was a translation panel. Oh, uh, well, I don't know. Anyway, basically... <laughs> the first I've heard so of So this. this is New York Comic Con. <laughs> what you are hearing right now unfolding live before you is New York Comic Con. This level of... <laughs> okay, well, we Kate, better, yeah, we better so, get, that, get together on that. <laughs> so, dear listeners, when you go to New York Comic Con, it looks like a professional operation. Right. But behind the scenes, all those smiling or stern people at the booths who look like they know exactly what they're doing have spent the last two weeks ahead of time going, what are we doing? Right. Where well, is our booth? What are we going to eat? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, that sounds like the discussion yeah. that was going on to here today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, What's yeah, our booth exactly. number? exactly. <laughs> What's our booth number? Um, How many we, badges do we have? Do so, we have any badges? So yeah. here's the... But let me... This, uh, this, uh, this will be at um, uh, 3.30... On uh, Thursday at Javits Center, a comic readers today who they are to striking differences between readerships in Europe and USA showcase the universality of the medium and the opportunities of audience diversification. Publishers, librarians, booksellers, and journalists dissect and compare their current and ideal office, uh, audiences. So I will be moderating with Chris Thompson from Titan, Karen Green, Terry Nantier from NBM, Jennifer King, uh, shop owner of Space Cadets, mm-hmm. uh, Nazalie Kurigan Barron cool. from Europe Comics. Uh, so, and, uh, you know, uh, Nazalie did the presentation at the panel that you did moderate that yes, had yes. The, oh, the New York stats Rights Fair. that they mm-hmm. have. So I'm actually putting together some other stats, so I have a lot of work to great. do. But we're going to look at, at readership and, uh, you know, current demographics and really oh, try to get some stuff uh, put together for that. So I think this is a panel that, honestly, a lot of folks will Believe be... Believe me, Nazelli will give you numbers. <laughs> she will. Well, she did. She shared that and we're working on the presentation okay. now. Uh, then on Friday at uh, 5.15, I will be doing my uh, annual World Comics uh, Foreign Comics uh, cartoonist european cartoonist panel this year uh i have let's see who do i have on there again working with nazelli she's actually been really great uh, we have anna marillas and uh michael and then very excited i have emmanuela lupacino and uh, merca andolfo on there uh two really great cartoonists cool uh so that is going to be a great discussion i always have an awesome time with that so on saturday i have now this panel you're really going to want to be there probably. okay okay this is one is put together by Line Webtoon. It's called Welcome to the Digital Age of Comics. Actually, I need to go to that you panel. You do. And I'll tell you, I'm so excited and a bit daunted to be doing this panel. Panel discussion for the big three on the success of digital comics. No longer does a creator have to wait for comics to print and ship, blah, blah. We all know how important. But check who out who's on it. All right. Tom Akel, the head of content from Webtoon. Oh. Uh, Michael Sun, the editor-in-chief of Tapas. Um, ben Walsenholm, the CEO of Madefire, and two creators, Dean Haspel and Michi. So cool. this is the first this time. This is a hot panel. This is a hot, hot panel. panel. This is the first time these three people have ever been on a panel. Right. These three CEOs have ever been on a what panel. What time is that again? That, I'm making a note. Well, there you go. It'll be at 4.30 on Saturday. 4.30 Saturday. Mm. Also, dear listeners, if you happen to be in New York and you don't want to spend any money, there will be a um, free Korean Webtoons event going on one day during the con i can't remember what day but just like google korean webtoons nyc and it should pop up yeah there's a lot of gallery openings and a lot of mm-hmm. uh, ancillary free events going on uh very vibrant this year um, actually we're compiling a, a list for the beat uh, so that should be up monday or tuesday so cool. i urge you if you're listening to uh to check it out because uh there's a lot of fun stuff going on um however a very sad note very uh troubling note here is that we don't know yet so um but it looks like the press room has been moved oh yeah yes we were like yeah we were were sort of like well complaining about it we'll have to find out i mean i'm not sure where it's the new one's going to be well i don't know i just you know they've got to have one somewhere well they do but you know um we'll see i mean in the past 
they've been sort of cramped I, I affairs. I mean, not yet, listen until we had this incredible gallery. Oh God, I in know the we sound super privileged, and I guess we are. But <laughs> I will say that the press room at New York Comic Con was a great. And you know, if you had a friend who was a writer, they could sneak you in there. So I'm not saying that yeah. we kept it, you know, to ourselves. Well, it was in the, the upper the level, so it was brilliantly lit. It was a beautiful place. You could walk in the back and look out on the Hudson River. I stayed there the whole con, to be honest. Yeah, you I could would, run forty-meter dashes if you wanted. It yeah. was so huge. It up was. There. <laughs> it was. There was one point at the con where I was so overstimulated, after four days of just being bombarded with convention, that I just literally, once I knew the booth was taken care of and I knew I'd done the interviews I needed to do, I just went up to the press booth and like laid on the floor and stared at the ceiling for like 15 minutes and just <laughs> felt better about myself and life it there really was the great place it was a really awesome place so i i've I, we're not 100 percent confirmed but on the map it looks like it's going to be for cosplay and uh just yeah. a, yes i think yeah, yeah. well r.i.p perhaps new york comic-con press room awesomeness you know, it had its own food cart. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, but, you know, <laughs> nothing good in life lasts. So yeah, we enjoy it while we can. Yeah, we do. That's what I always say. All right. So, okay, should we segue to our well, con update, or is there more information no, that we can impart? No, I think impart? that's about it. When, when yeah. next we gather, uh, you will all be complaining, and we'll, yeah, it'll the, be the stories we'll have to tell. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, meanwhile, this is a segment I was going to talk about last week, but we ran out of time because so much was going on. But uh, So uh, I've been traveling this great nation of ours and, uh, you know, seeing the cons and going to the cons. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was at Keystone Comic Con, speaking of New York Comic Con, so no. put on by Reed mm-hmm. Pop, the same folks. And you know what? Look, I got to be 100% honest. I talked to them about it. They know they were painfully aware. Uh, this con was underattended. It was not booming. And yeah. we have seen over the... That's an understatement by far. Yes. But, you know, uh, I mean, they put a lot of effort into this show. So I don't want to bury it, you know, because they did everything right. I don't know what went wrong. I think it was too close to New York, too close to Baltimore, same we could as SPX, mm-hmm. which is just down the road. Yes. There's just too, too many... close to the Brooklyn Book Festival. Too far, Brooklyn Book Festival. <laughs> and also, I think they started too big. Like, you you just... You don't rent a space that size for a first-year convention that hasn't gotten any word of mouth yet because, because people have been burned by first-year conventions. Every year, yeah. we have stories of some brand-new convention that people go to and it's crap. Yeah, but and hey, I, this is Reed Pop. This is Reed Pop. I know it's Reed Pop. You know it's Reed They're Pop. They're not going to rent a hotel. <laughs> this is Reed Pop. No, but, okay, listen. But you don't rent out the entire convention center. Well. And, and you, you know, and, and you're... Bob, who goes to conventions, doesn't know it's Reed Pop and that they're reliable. He just says, "Oh, it's a new con. Not sure. Wait till next year." Like well, you, you got to give some room to grow. You've got to well, make start well, a little smaller. Yes, but I would, I would. You're, you're 100 percent right yeah. about that. But I would counter that we've seen over the past, you know, the rise of the Comic Con. I would say over the last seven years, and you know, there were, you know, what really kicked us off was some spectacular first year shows. Uh, yeah. Salt Lake City and Denver and uh, the Phoenix Comic Con suddenly, mm. you know, it wasn't a first year yeah. show. But but they grew after that. They started great, but they got bigger. Well, they know. You don't start at full no, size. That, no, no, no. They started out with people being turned away, you know. Yeah, and let's remember, C2E2 uh, was in a big venue. And it's still in a really big venue. Well, and it started out very small. Right. Okay. Well, yes. And I will say most people did compare this to C2E2 the first mm-hmm. year. I mean, Kate, I, I agree with you, okay? But I, what I'm trying to say is that I think the expectation was that in this environment, you can still open a show big. And guess what? You can't. Yeah. And But it's not just... Uh, Keystone, okay? And they listen, they are coming back with Keystone. It's going to be in August next year, and it is a great facility. I love Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I say that as a New Yorker, mm-hmm. but it's a great town to visit. Mm-hmm. The, the facility is fantastic. And, you know, they did put together a really great show. It's just that... And, and, and my, my comment was only meant to say this, is that Reed Pop is only going to rent a certain kind of facility, even if oh, people yeah. don't show up. That's the only thing well, I was trying yeah, to say. Yeah, but what I meant is, like, if you look at the new, relatively new anime convention in New York, yeah, they rented at the Javits, but they didn't rent the whole Javits. Yeah. Point, they re- point. They rented a respectable chunk of it, sure. which they could always grow more in years yeah, to yeah. come. 
Sure. And so it's it's not so much that you did it at a convention center, it's that you went with that much of the convention yeah. center for a first And, and year. some of the people, I mean, I, a lot of the people I saw uh, going when, when I was going down to SBX and coming back and at the Brooklyn, and some of the people that are at the Brooklyn Book Festival had been at Keystone. And there were universal complaints about mm-hmm. yeah. attendance. Yeah. Um, and some of them suggested, because uh, there was a gaming show. Right. PAX. PAX. Yeah. They, and many people were suggesting that maybe they should have been combined. Because apparently the gaming show really drew a big crowd. Right. Well, that's, yeah. And, you know, I've said this to many, many people. But, um, you know, Read Pop has, uh, didn't launch PAX. But they've launched PAX events. But they yeah. had, uh, and you know, and a, yeah, some people were telling me about how great this, it was called PAX Table or something. Yeah, it's yeah. like their tabletop show. And it was fantastic. And, um, you know. Reed launched C2E2, and that show took a while to find its footing. Yeah. Uh, they launched Special Edition, which isn't which, around anymore. Yeah. And now they've launched Keystone, and the first year, uh, you know, they did to be tinkering. And you know, Special Edition was an interesting because there they launched it at a, well, at a facility that wasn't a hotel and wasn't a convention center, and it was a pier. Mm-hmm. Um, you it's know, where the anime show And this is where year. the anime show is going to be this year now. So... Uh, I'm not crazy about Pier 94 as a venue, mm. um, but it can hold the kind of crowds that Reed expects. It's a venue. It is. It is a venue. I mean, it, it exists. It, in other words, not a hotel. You know, which, where you see some of the smaller shows can can and should do. Um, but for a Reed Pop show, they're only going to do something that really has a mass quality to it. Right. Right. So, well, listen. They gotta look at the formula. They gotta see what went r- r- wrong. Yeah, and yeah, what went right. Yeah. What works for the show and what doesn't. And they'll look at the data. But I gotta say, uh, what I'm hearing is that uh, they does seem to be uh, the same weekend the pandemic show was held, the first mm-hmm. kind of big one in Houston. Oh, yeah. Houston's a huge market. It's the fifth biggest city in the United States. Huge market. They only have one other comic show that. Is of any size, so it certainly isn't that they were, you know, an oversaturated market. I heard the show uh, wasn't great. I mean, it wasn't a horrible disaster, uh, like the first pandemic was. Pardon me, apparently, but uh, wasn't great. And then the next week, incredibly, Wizard World announced that they were canceling their Sacramento show with mm. just two weeks to go. Wow! Like wow. they canceled the show two weeks out. It was going to be held next weekend, same weekend as New York Comic Con. Uh, the reason they gave was that they thought they just couldn't put on the kind of show that they wanted their uh, their exhibitors to have. Well, I, I think which that's suggests a, the market is softening. Well, I think that's a great idea. The only thing is, why why did you take so long to figure that out, guys? Well, I think you kind of wait. Oh, maybe there'll be a last minute rush. Oh, yeah. Maybe were... maybe it'll be magical. Maybe the wonderful con fairy will come down and save my con. Right, right. Uh, and then at the same time, uh, I heard reports from Wizard did hold their show in Austin this last weekend. And it's kind of the same thing. Everybody was saying that it was pretty quiet. Hmm. Uh, I'm not sure Austin has been a great venue. But I am really hearing that. Uh, the newer kind of hybridy kind of because these shows are all a little bit celebrity driven. I'm hearing that they're not doing great right now. Yeah. Hmm. So I well, think we might be seeing that contraction finally. That's interesting. Now, are we talking about a contraction on the nerd celebrity side or on the actual comic show side? I think I think people are just conned out. Yeah, well, I, mean, I would think so too. Frankly, I, yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> I, I don't know how these shows can keep exploding um, in attendance year, yeah. uh, well, year after year. I don't so, think they can. Yeah, I think so they, maybe they we're don't. seeing. No, you're absolutely right. So I, I think that you know we're here, and this weekend alone, uh, Baltimore is taking place, and CXC in Columbus That's right, is taking right, place. Right. Uh, then it's New York Comic Con, and then uh, you know there's a couple shows that Ace Comic Con is having their first show in Chicago at the Navy Pier, not at the. And I would uh, love to McCormick. go to Crossroads, uh, Columbus, but I just can't. Well, I can't go to Crossroads no. a week before New and York Comic Con. Thought Bubble was last week. Yeah, Leeds, that's right. And I... it was absolutely gangbusters. But you know who could do SPX then Thought Bubble then uh, CXE? You... And I should say, I think the weekend was it the weekend of SPX, Comic Con Africa. That's right. And because right. I actually uh, had well, that is a very talk different with place. It's a very different, but a lot of people were there. I mean, Viz was there. Uh, they had a number of uh, comics people were were traveling there. So once again, the brain drain that you talked about in your feature article mm-hmm. is going on. Not only are they on the move every week in in this co- in this country, but internationally. Right, right. Well, like I said, uh, I, I talk about the con scene constantly. 
And uh, this is the first time I've seen such a significant, like people, a lot of people try to, you know, conceal the fact that there are bad shows. But uh, I'm hearing pretty much everybody talking about it very openly right now. So, uh, and these are established. Listen, Wizard, you know, we have some 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 bones to pick with Wizard, but I mean, they put on a solid show. Yeah. Okay, it's not mm-hmm. like these are, you know, they, they they do things. You know, they treat their customers yeah. fairly, and you know, with con- consideration. It's not like you know, it's a horrible show. But uh, I mean, you know, Fandemic tried the same, and uh, obviously Read Pop. I mean, I'm saying these aren't fly by nights. These yes. are no, these people are the people who that put it on the biggest shows in the country. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, there'll be more to come on the cons oh, yeah. scene, oh, without yeah. a doubt. Uh, still more graphic novels. Well, I did a story last week uh, about a new imprint that's launching at Abram Comics Art. It's called Megascope, and it's um, going to be run by John Jennings. And if you don't know who John Jennings are, is, uh, he is, along with Damian Duffy, his his co-creator, um, uh, a much acclaimed artist who did the graphic novel adaptation of Octavia Butler's Kindred. Uh, he has published... Um, uh, books with Rosarium Publishing. He has an amazing comic called uh, Kid Codes Channel Zero. Uh, he is in a, a um, he works in an artistic team with Stacy Robinson called Black Kirby, and it's just what it says. If you haven't seen these seen his work, it, it takes Kirby's you know intensity and raw power to another level, if that's possible. Uh, he's going to be heading up and. And uh, basically curating this line, they're going to publish four to six graphic novels a year. Uh, they're going to be based on the experiences of people of color. Uh, I, I had a chance to talk with John. He couldn't tell me too much about what the line was going to be producing, but we'll probably hear something shortly. So I think it's very interesting that Abrams, which of course has a very major comics and comics-related uh, publishing division, and that's Comics Arts. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh is launching a sub imprint within it, so um, you know. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, and also, um, Chris Duffy has been hired at Workman uh-huh. to be a senior graphic novel editor there. Uh, obviously, he's working under Tracy Todd, who has a mm-hmm. you know pretty strong connection to a graphic novels herself. In fact, I ran into her on the way over here. Yeah, you I saw her in the park and we were catching up a bit. But uh, anyway, Chris Duffy, of course, yeah. incredibly, you know, uh, long career working at DC Comics and he was at Nickelodeon Nick- yes. and he's and he written and comics. edited a ton mm-hmm. of books, most recently the SpongeBob stuff, but he's going to be editing uh, kids and YA graphic novels for Workmen. So yet uh, another publisher. That's uh, interesting. You know, yeah. Better, obviously, uh, you just had the big middle grade uh, graphic yes, novels feature. article, mm-hmm. a feature in PW, and um, you know the, the Gina Gagliano imprint, and uh, you know it's been a gangbusters year for YA comics. Yeah. You know, one quick um, jump to jump mm. back to Megascope, just to say that the name of the imprint is actually taken from uh, the speculative fiction writing of W.E.B. Du Bois, the great uh, African American sociologist. He apparently dabbled in a little science fiction. Uh, of his own uh, in a story written in 1908. The the concept was this, uh, a device that a black sociologist created that allowed uh, its people to look to it to see undiscovered stories from their past. So that's what he's taking the name of his megascope from, so of his imprint from. So there you go. Just a little yeah. inside information. Well, uh, uh, more to John call. Jennings. Well, speaking of diversity and speaking of too many Comic Cons, or maybe maybe not too many, but plenty, Diversity Comic Con oh, is yes. a free event oh. being put on by the Fashion Institute of Technology on October 11th. Diversity Con, but it's a Diversity Comic Con. It's called Diversity Comic Con. Okay. That's what it's called. Yes, cool. I'm name. actually uh, uh, doing a panel there. You're oh. doing a panel everywhere. I am. I am. <laughs> this is my year, and I am not doing this many panels next year. Well, let me tell you. So when is the Diversity Comic Con? It's like on this. October 11th. Cool. Uh, but unfortunately, it's during the workday. Yeah. So if you're a college student or work on traditional hours, you can totally go. But it's a Thursday from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. So I love it. All right. Or maybe you can sneak off during lunch break. I love it. All right. Um, let's see. 
Oh, should uh, we move to? Uh, well, we wanted to talk about a, a controversy that isn't Petit here. Paul? Patty Paul. <laughs> oh God, Jesus! But I, I guess should it be called Le Grand Paul? Le Grand Paul. Well, oh boy. we shouldn't make jokes about this. I know this, we actually, shouldn't because this is not funny. Yeah, well, you know, we okay, have... listeners, we're going to be talking about some di- some disturbing content. Yeah, trigger warning. Um, here. you should definitely, if you are offended by children being shown in sexual situations, yes. if you're offended by people talking about that. In a disapproving yes. manner, even yes. like bail now because it's not like we think this is great, but we are going to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so basically, French cartoonist Sebastian Vive, who uh, is well known for the Last Man series here, uh, kind of a young enfant terrible. As yeah, they kind of looks young and enfant. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, actually, I mean, I hung out with him when uh-huh. uh, he was uh, TCAF one time, and uh, you know, he certainly. Uh, loves comics and loves uh, you know, but he loves upside the apple cart a bit. Mm. Anyway, he has a new book called Le Petit Paul, which is about a ten-year-old boy with a huge perpetual erection. Uh, and then he goes around and uh, people avail themselves of it. And uh, there's a couple panels online, and poof, oh my god, wow. Well, even in f- France, and it's not like it's a parody no. or something. And the yeah, well, there was an excellent story written on the beat by my French comics uh, uh, reporter Philippe LeBlanc, who speaks French, so he is quite conversant with this. And uh, apparently, the book was published, and then it was pulled off the shelves because people just were outraged by it, and because it is, you know, child pornography, yeah. basically. Yeah. And uh, you know, Vive was uh, saying that it was it was not you know the free speech and everything. To, to be fair, no actual children were harmed, but it's right. pretty reprehensible. Yeah, well, it's it's yes, exactly. You know, a lot of people have brought up um, Lost Girls, yeah, which definitely had um, you know children engaged in sexual activity, but it came kind of with a warning about it. And I will say, I think if there was one thing that people said about Lost Girls, this is a book by Alan Moore and Melinda mm. Gebby that had yeah. Wendy, Dorothy, and um, Alice from Children's Literature as grown women, but also traveling through time and space and having all sorts of sexcapades. But, but there were some sexcapades, which were, as I recall, flashbacks to when they were not grown women. Yes. So it's not so much adult female characters doing all these things like they, there were definitely a lot of underage stuff going on yeah but there was all ages I right mean, but, I mean, was, yeah, but I mean but I mean but that the part we're talking about yeah, here is yeah, the yeah, underage yeah. aspect right. of it and, of which there was plenty right there was plenty and uh the one thing that almost universally has been said about lost girls is that it wasn't very sexy <laughs> uh I, I just I saw a couple panels of this petty Paul book and it just kind of a little more ugh. yeah I mean, I haven't seen Ugh, it. So gross. I, no I deal, wish but, I could bleach my eyeballs. There's uh, an image of the color, uh, the cover blocked out with a parental advisory yeah, uh, label. And, uh, so uh, the imagination runs wild. Viv mm. is known for saying things like, uh, I can't draw what doesn't excite me, which is disturbing. <laughs> okay. Right. All right. Well, well, he said that his goal was to seduce or excite readers. Uh, and so, I mean, he wasn't saying this is a hard-hitting documentary about how this is a bad. young child with priapism. It was and, like... And, and nor, nor is it like uh, an extended metaphor for something. No. Right. No. Anyway. Well, no, it's just reprehensible. Anyway, crime. let's go back to that Batman. <laughs> let not. Penis. That was fine. <laughs> you know, just so naked. All man. right. Um... Yeah. Calvin, there was a couple of really good interviews. Yeah, yeah. What I, well, this is an advertisement uh, partially for myself. But uh, uh, but anyway, well, we've got a couple of Q&As up at publishersweekly.com slash comics you might be interested in. I had the opportunity to interview uh, Jason Lutz about finally completing his masterwork, Berlin, uh, a 600-page uh, uh, epic um uh, graphic novel about the rise of the well set during the rise of the Nazi party during 1920s Weimar Berlin it's obviously much more than the Nazi party it's really an extraordinary like narrative cutaway of Berlin and its culture and its history uh, through the lives of working class people and uh, journalists and art student it's really uh, I mean 23 years in the making uh, and 
it's lively. It's you, know, you learn about German history. It's a great story, and it's really quite an achievement. Um, it so is. we, uh, we, uh, I got a chance to do a Q and A with him, and he talks about putting the book together and what he's going to do next. Uh, and also, uh, the fabulous Brid- uh, Bridget Alveson has an interview with uh, Rachel Lindsay on her book um, uh, about bipolar. I believe what the, I'm, I'm mangling the name of it. So hold on. Uh, oh, it's called RX. And uh, it's got a very interesting uh, tagline in it. I know uh, for someone suffering from bi- bipolar uh, disorder or mood disorder, manic depressive, uh, does an act of independence, is an act of independence you being courageous, uh, seeking to build your own life, or is it a symptom of your illness? And it's a, it's a her look at her life and how when she decided that she couldn't work for a corporation anymore and she couldn't take it, um, she quit her job and her parents had her committed. Wow. Uh, because they'd seen her behavior in the past. So it's a story of how she worked through all of these issues in dealing with her um, bipolar disorder. And from our being at a panel at SBX earlier, um, this is this is turning out to be one of those categories of graphic medicine uh, that's actually very fruitful. These books, I think, are being are very helpful uh, to the people that they're aimed at, as well as being really fascinating reads. Yeah, and and speaking of you know going out on your own if you have bipolar, that actually because bipolar disorder usually comes with some periods of really really severe depression, like really incredibly severe. There's a reason why um, a lot of the people who are successful in life who have bipolar disorder work for themselves mm. because they can make their own schedule. So on the surface, it it may look like someone's mood disorder whim, but it, it actually may be a sound career decision. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You guys, I just got an email. The press room is still in the River Pavilion. Oh, okay. Yay! Yay! Great. Breaking news! Free Wi-Fi and sunlight! Woo-hoo! Yeah! Happy All right. Well, I, I, yeah, let's let's not hold out for that Wi-Fi. I've been promised Wi-Fi every year. Uh, all right. Well, oh, so we... Well, uh, well, let's end this on a yeah, triumphant so, note. Woo. So, news briefs. And now, the briefs. So, just to prove that comics are older than you think... Um, they have discovered what one might describe as ancient tomb comics in Jordan. So it's in an area of Jordan that was once Judea. And um, there are murals in this ancient Roman era tomb that actually have like captions on them that are the characters talking. So, uh, Theoretically speaking, it could count as, you know, sequential art. Yeah. And sequential art is about 2,000 years old. All right. Uh, well, certainly that's the earliest example I know of, but I'm sure there was more. It's it's a, as soon as you have written language, sure. yep. I think it's going to happen. People want to put a picture I'm with sure, it. I'm sure two morals will have a book out about any day now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and um, often we hear about, you know, people starting a comics anthology to support one thing or another, but we don't really ever hear how it works out. Well, this time we have. So way back last year, um, as you may recall, there was a shooting in Las Vegas. Well, um, I need I need to get the name of the book correct here. One second. <laughs> So Image Comics had an anthology called Where We Live, um, about which were comics about Las Vegas, uh, which were to benefit uh, the survivors of the Las Vegas shooting. And it, it had uh, industry all-stars ranging from Neil Gaiman to Mike Mignola to Sally Sue DeConnick. And now the, um, the results have come in. And it has raised over $100,000. And 100% of the proceeds are going to an organization that is helping the survivors. 
there. Yeah. So, you cool. know, congratulations yes. to everyone involved. And uh, it's really great when you hear one of these projects actually works out. Yeah. Good. Uh, okay. Shall I yeah, have my yeah. little item? Yeah. 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 And, uh, and, a, and now a brief from Calvin. Yeah. Um, uh, if you're not familiar uh, with David Wanarovich's Seven Miles a Second, that David Wanarovich is the late East Village artist. I mean, he died in 1992 from AIDS-related uh, uh, illnesses. Um, his his book Seven Miles a Second is his is a graphic memoir of his life as an artist, as a hustler, um, uh, and, and and coming through it and facing his own um, uh, uh, illnesses with with, with age related illnesses uh the the memoir was done by james romberger and marguerite ben cook uh was published in a revised edition by fanographics in 2013 uh it this summer an exhibition a career retrospective on on david uh, warner rowrich opened at the whitney the book sold out almost instantly so uh the artists james and marguerite got the rights from fanographic back uh, they have self-published so he was the, the writer version. and they were the artists? He was, uh, yes. He he dictated his uh, and wrote part of it. Part of it was taken from his writings and from interviews with him. James and Marguerite have known knew, known him for many years. I knew him a little bit. I didn't know him like they did. I'd met him several times. Um, they have, uh, they got the rights back. They basically have started a, um, a, a publishing house called Ground Zero Books after their long-running East, East Village comic. And they're self-publishing the book, and they've also delivered uh, a short-run print print run of about 200 co- uh, copies very quickly to the museum, the Whitney Museum Bookstore. So it's back on sale and back in print. And you can go to groundzerobooks.com, and you can buy a copy, or if you're a bookstore, you can get wholesale terms. So uh, check it out. It's really one of the great graphic memoirs, um, I think, of our time, so yeah. it's a wonderful book, and it's great that it's being kept. Yes, available absolutely. For the, all the, the audience that is just discovering graphic novels. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it's a, uh, a, I think a key word, a key book in LGBTQ studies. So, yeah. All right. Well, Kelvin, you and Meg sat down, right? Yes. We, you know what, uh, 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 Meg Limke, uh, the PW Graphic Novels Review Editor, we sat down for another episode of stargazing looking at the you know some recent starred graphic novel reviews and um you know this is going to be the last one that meg delivers for several months because she is having a baby in fact she may be having it right now <laughs> right. as we speak so um when last heard she was on twitter being like stop bothering me i haven't <laughs> yes. had the baby yet <laughs> yes so but but she is on twitter so anyway so meg will talk to us about three titles and we're back again with another episode of Stargazing. And I'm uh, this is Calvin Reed, and I'm going to be talking with uh, Meg Limke, a PW Graphic Novels Reviews Editor. Hi, Meg. Hi. We're here again to talk about starred review titles that have come out recently or are forthcoming. Um, and before I dive in, Kevin wanted me to let everyone know that this is going to be the last time you hear me for a couple months, probably until 2019, as I am about to have another child. Yes. Um, all right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we are we are on the precipice as we tape this. Thank you, Calvin. All um, right. I mean, it could happen any second now, huh? Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> okay. I feel, like, I feel like I'll get to this podcast, but everyone's on alert. Okay. Well, well, that would be a first. That would be a real scoop on this podcast, so to speak. So anyway, yeah, if um, you were to give birth right on the air, but no. Yeah, anyway, it would be it would be good. He everyone think encouraging thoughts. Okay, okay. So All right. we'll start with. Let me see what the pub date on this is. Let's start with Bastard, okay. coming from Fantagraphics by Max de Rodriguez, um, which is an import. It's a French creator. And Bastard is a short, really tightly drawn crime story, um, but it's done in this lovely spare indie style. And Calvin and I were talking about how violence is used in this work in a cinematic fashion in a way that can be troubling, you know, in the way that violence as... Um, entertainment is troubling, but it has a kind of Coen Brothers vibe to me. You know, uh, there's a lot of really weird situations the characters get into. I'm um, a casualness to the to the violence um, in, 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 inhabited by the the strong female lead of this book in particular. Um, that is going to be appealing and also kind of disturbing for a lot of readers. But the the center of it is this relationship between a mother and her child, and they're on the run together, and you see how they take care of each other. 
um, and and how she privileges her maternal relationship to him through a lot of gunfight scenes and kidnappings and other action. Yeah, and it, it, it's it's a compelling read. I, I mean, I, I think the discussions we were having around it were, in many ways, were about how violence is used uh, overall in pop mm-hmm. culture. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and actually how it's used in, in so-called literary culture. I mean, on the one hand, it, uh, violence can be a kind of sensationalist flag, you know, uh, mm-hmm. to attract a certain kind of reader. At the other uh, at the other end, it can also kind of be an indication, you know, of seriousness, of literary seriousness. But so, I, I, I mean, in this book, I, I think it leans a little bit more toward uh, a little bit sensationalist. I think this is, in some ways, this is an adv- an, uh, an adventure uh, an action adventure book, mm-hmm. uh, but it's um, it's humanized just as you put it by the relationship between um, uh, uh, May and Eugene, Eugene, the, Eugene. The, yeah. the mother and the son. And I'm going to put the mother in quotation marks, but I'm, that's all I'm going to say. Um, and, uh, but th- their relationship is very interesting, and of course, I mean the dysfunctional relationships around her too. I mean she mm-hmm. uh, she she's a Jesse James figure for for today's audience. Yeah, it's fantastic. And they say uh, in the review, the reviewer wrote, though May is a career criminal and Eugene was raised in her culture of lawlessness, their bond is as undeniable as it is touching. Yeah, Um, I I definitely enjoyed it, even though I typically don't go for something that, you know, is quite so like violent on the front. But there's something else about the art style um, that makes it work for me. It's not gory. It has a um, like a very artistic, but very clear line. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a very much an an, an indie art comic book, yeah. uh, and and because of that, it is a little unusual for it to be such a, a you know all out Bonnie and Clyde. Type, yeah, it's a real genre book. Uh, I mean, it's not genre a, book exactly. Yeah. So, uh, but but it's but as you said, it it's got heart. It's got some. Uh, it's got an emotional core in it. So. Um, it's really worth picking yeah. up. And um, Redigay's Ouija was a book that we reviewed also that got a really strong reading. It wasn't a star. Um, but it's, you know, it's part of this wave of import. Yeah. Um, we've talked about other imported books. Um, in fact, the book that Calvin and I were comparing this to is Bad Friends, which we talked about in a podcast. Oh, yes. Months yeah. Back. Uh, months back, which is a Korean import and has a lot of really shocking violence, but in the context of in a very different of way. use. Yeah. yeah, it's a very different book. But and just to let our <laughs> listeners know, I actually interviewed Max uh, De Ra- Radike um, uh, uh, during our TCAF um, podcast oh, recordings okay. about the Ouija book. So if you can, oh, okay. you want to go and search that out, you can hear Max talk about doing that book. All you right. can purchase them both from your yeah. local uh, retailer. That's right. All right. Next. <laughs> next, we want to talk about Slum Wolf, which actually came out in August and is a good segue in terms of talking about books that do hold um, many violent passages. There's a lot of uh, street fights in this title. This is um, Tadoe Tsuge, mm-hmm. uh, translated from the Japanese, um, from New York Review Comics. And it's actually a work from... Um, an alternative manga figure that's being released for the first time in the U S but it's work that was um, created for alternative magazines in the sixties and seventies. And uh, it's a really fascinating period piece in terms of looking at post-war Japan and the kind of ennui and, and really like the, a lot of the PTSD of soldiers in that era and of the population given the complete decimation of major cities through bombing in that period. So there's a sort of lawlessness and like a couple of figures who repeat are these lone wolf characters who come through cities and are unable to settle. And the idea being that a lot of their actions are directed by being former soldiers or having some other trauma. Um, It's really a haunting and fascinating work. Um, and just very worthwhile to read in terms of uh, thinking about the history of manga and what people don't appreciate about the diversity in terms of um, styles of manga, you know, from what's been dominantly imported into the U.S. Yeah, I mean, the um, I mean, the, the the categories that really kind of conquered, you know, the American popular audience are uh, shoujo manga, you know, obviously primarily designed for girls, uh, certainly in Japan and shonen manga you know de, uh, uh, defined for for boys and mm-hmm. other subcategories like uh, yaoi also um and um and what josai for older girls but uh this is gegeka you know the mm-hmm. uh, a 
um, a, a form of manga that connects really well uh, with, you know, indie, with literary art comics in this country. In fact, mm-hmm. uh, this wave of manga in many ways has been brought to the fore by publishers like Drawn and Quarterly and now Fantagraphics. Um, the, uh, and this you is know, New York Review Comics. As yeah, well. this is, excuse me. This is New York Review Comics. But, but, but both of those other publishers have. They also, um, yeah, re- reached out to do this kind of manga at a time when actually manga was creating, you know, a, you know, a certain bit of, of, um, of, of you know, put us say critical conflicts mm-hmm. among, uh, you know, sort of, uh, well, as I said before, the, the joke was always that superhero fanboys hated manga. And so did in the art comic uh, folk, uh, too. Men, anyway. Uh, but we're seeing a whole generation now of artists that are of American artists that are influenced by manga, mm-hmm. and especially I think on the art comics side, influenced by work uh, like this by Shuge, as well as um, Yashihiro Tatsumi, uh, mm-hmm. the author of uh, what um, uh, what was it, uh, Drifting Life. Um, oh, and what's it? The Pushman and other stories. Uh, mm-hmm. That's a beautiful book. Drifting Life was Drifting Life a film also. You know what? I'm I'm not sure about that, but that's and it's make that's his memoir of really being one of the key figures in creating Gegeka. The, I think I'm just uh, making the, that up then. Yeah, the but, kind of market that we're talking about. Really, a, a really amazing um, uh, artist and uh, his account of his life and of the beginnings of manga in post-war J- Japan. Absolutely fascinating. And I think Slumwolf is a book that if you are a reader of Murakami, if you're a reader of any of the serious yeah. Japanese. Um, writers who talk about, you know, the culture of Japan in a way that um, is very specific and, and doesn't, um, to really just like upend stereotypes that people might have, yeah, like Hawaii culture, you know, it's really about the kind yeah. of dark, um, you know, experiences yeah. of growing yeah, it's, up. It's, a, it's naturalistic. It's really, it's about um, life in Japan well, at a very hard you know, time and how people were able to, uh, uh, what that turned people into. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then the third book we want to talk about is really a fantastic title that I know we're both really excited about, Upgrade Soul by Ezra Clayton Daniels. Yeah. And you interviewed Ezra um, Correcta, or he was on a panel. You might cut this out if I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, um, uh, what happened it was, was Heidi it... did. Yeah. I'm sorry, what now? Never mind. Heidi did it at yes, Book Expo. Heidi actually, yeah. uh, Heidi actually interviewed him, I believe, at Book, book Expo. Uh, I actually interviewed him just recently for LitCast, one of our other uh, podcasts. Um, But uh, this is really um, – and I should say that the book also won the Dwayne McDuffie uh, Mm, uh, Diversity Award, Graphic Novel Mm -hmm. Diversity Award, uh, or actually named after um, the late Dwayne McDuffie, uh, who launched Milestone Comics, the uh, African-American-owned imprint at at DC Comics. But anyway, uh, it's a very complex uh, science fiction tale that juggles an enormous number of issues. It features a couple, Molly, a geneticist, and Hank, who um, is the son of a famous comics creator and um, is sort of trying to manage that property. And they are older, and they're kind of looking back on their life and career and wishing that they could start over again, which is a very human uh, experience. And they somehow get kind of wrapped up in this scheme to regenerate themselves. Um, and it goes very much awry. And the, um, I don't want to give too much away, but essentially the, they weren't uh, told that it was a cloning scheme, that there'd be new clones of them created and that they would have been essentially killed off. Um, but because it didn't go well, there's two versions of Hank and Molly who need to interact. Yeah. And, and, then, and there's this weird, weird uh, sort of sub-psychic bond between them that... Yeah, between them and their clones. Yes, that makes the, makes itself felt. I mean, it's an interesting combination of, uh, of in some ways, a classic science fiction combination right. of, like, bad science, human-ass aspirations, and human dysfunction. <laughs> uh, and there's a lot of beauty in the relationship between Hank and Molly and with their niece um and looking at them as a couple the art is really uh beautiful and you know unlike other work in some ways i mean daniels definitely has a very particular style i always say this you know he has a very specific style (laughs) the coloring is really rich um and gorgeous and it was originally the, the work was originally serialized as an um 
as an app yeah. of some as an interactive iPhone app yeah. with an original musical score. And what's what's very impressive to me is how well it translated. You know, you don't have to have known that background. There it's been either edited or just very well serialized that it feels as a whole piece as a book in a, a really satisfying way as a reader. Well, Daniels is an, is a, is an illustrator and a designer and you can really tell here. He, I mean, he really has been able to reformat this uh, digital graphic novel um, into a really gorgeous print book. So um, it's, it's really got, it's really got it all. I mean, it's got really great art. It's got a very serious, nuanced um, uh, narrative uh, that really juggles um, uh, issues around human existence uh, in the way that you would expect a serious novel to do so. Yeah, not for nothing. It also has a lot of um, different, there's a lot of diversity in the characters yeah. and also in showing um, elderly people in love yes. and showing, showing elderly bodies. There's a lot mm -hmm. of, sort of naked scenes of them together, mm -hmm. you know, holding each other. Um, realizing that this desire to have be become young again, you know, has is perhaps not re recognizing the love they have currently for each other in their own, you know, form. And I, I really appreciated that about the work. Yeah, no, it really does bring this question of what is better? <laughs> mm -hmm. What does that actually mean when you're talking with human life? So, uh, yes, uh, really, really uh, quite an extraordinary work coming out from Lionforge. Yes, exactly. And that is out this month. Yeah. So if you are listening to the sound of my voice, you can go purchase this book. Okay. <laughs> my bookseller instincts always kick in. There you go. There you go. Well, this is a nice batch uh, of, uh, of, of terrific books to send you off. Um, so um, we'll be waiting to hear, you know, Thank um, you. obviously the good news. Uh, <laughs> I'll talk to you all in January. All right. And in the meantime, reviews will continue coming out. One of my colleagues, uh, as well as Calvin, will be working on that. So. All right. All right. So we'll be back in touch with you in a couple of months. Thank then. you, listeners. Take care. All right. All right. Always great listening to it's, you guys uh, talk. Makes the best. <laughs> and on that note, there will be, with New York Comic Con coming, oh. there will be so much, so much more to come.